It's Sunday, September 25th, and you're listening to episode 27 of Firmly Planted. My Sunday school is currently studying through the Old Testament, and we recently read the book of Esther. I admit to feeling so familiar with this short book that I caught myself wondering, do I really need to read it all? I sort of felt like I remember the main point pretty well. Lesson number one from this particular reading assignment, thanks to the Holy Spirit, there is always something to be gleaned from the living, breathing Word of God. I am, hopefully, continually in different stages of growth as I read through even familiar passages. They seem to strike deeper each time I pass through. And circumstances change. Truths that went unnoticed before for lack of need are now like food to a hungry soul. What has always stood out to me, and many others, about the book of Esther is summed up in Mordecai's line in chapter 4, for such a time as this. Even though God's not mentioned by name once in the book, the idea that his divine orchestration leads to the deliverance of his people is a clear theme. This time through, though, the unpleasant facts of Esther's circumstances were front and center for me refusing to be glossed over by the recognizable theme. It's clear from the narrative that Mordecai cares for Esther deeply. Twice in the second chapter it's mentioned that he's raised her as though she were his own daughter. Following her removal to the king's palace, Mordecai visits the court of the harem every day to see how she is faring. His anxiety is clear. This is not the life he raised her for, or the life any good father wants for his daughter. These young women were rounded up throughout the entire Persian Empire, many taken hundreds of miles from home and family, so that an unbridled ruler could pick one new queen. The rest of the women will spend the remainder of their lives withering away in his harem, never to marry, possibly never to have children, certainly never to have a family in any traditional sense of the word. Despite Mordecai's love for Esther and his careful raising of her, they find themselves in circumstances they would never choose and over which they have zero control. For me, it suddenly felt a bit like the Princess and the Pea story. The Book of Esther had always been a lots of comforting truths piled up. Now I felt that one hard kernel of truth beneath all the mattresses. God saves an entire nation from destruction, but he doesn't rescue Esther from her situation. He doesn't protect her. He forces everything to work out his plans, but he doesn't undo every evil. And Esther's not the only one. God delivers Daniel from the lion's den, but he still spends the rest of his life in captivity and exile from his homeland, metaphorically surrounded by powerful enemies who could devour him at any moment. The same is true for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Joseph is another example. God uses each of these people in mighty ways, yet without changing their underlying circumstances. For weeks leading up to this rereading of Esther, I had spent many an anxious moment in prayer, entrusting a specific situation to his care, begging for protection and deliverance, for his intervention in circumstances over which I have zero control. Justice, the preservation of innocence, freedom from conditions 
wholly contrary to God's own laws, these were my pleas, and are they not in line with his own will and character? And at just this moment, this is the hard reality from Esther that he brought me through. It has felt like the seconds after a bomb blast scene in a movie, where everything that was familiar has been disarranged, the light is suddenly harsh, and the temporary loss of hearing is ringing loudly in my ears. So where does this leave us? For I know I'm not alone in this desperate state. These things I know, and was reminded of in the wasteland of hard truth. First, the Bible mentions a number of people who persevered in righteousness despite ugly situations. I've mentioned a few already, but some others that come to mind are Moses, who was raised in a secular palace but clung to his Hebrew heritage. David, who served a delusional and violent king with grace, and Abigail, whose gentle and quiet wisdom saved many lives. Many of these people were young. Daniel and his friends were probably children. Second, God is always faithful, even when he doesn't rescue. It is always his grace that is working in the lives of those people I've mentioned, or in every circumstance that our children, friends, siblings, or we ourselves are slogging through, over which there is no control, and into which these precious people were dumped through no fault of their own. It is His grace keeping them, shaping them, guiding them through, even when He doesn't guide them out. And third, God never loses. There's nothing that ever thwarts His plans. Nobody else ever wins in the end. Esther's situation was not his choice, but he forced it to do good and bring about the salvation of an entire nation. Sin produces many a circumstance that God allows but would never create, and yet they all must still ultimately accomplish his purposes. Nothing is ever wasted in God's economy. In the stillness, with the ash still falling all around me, I finally hear that gentle voice behind me that has always shown me the way and helped me to walk in it. Do you still trust me? And I tremble to lay these concerns in hands other than my own. But he loves those affected more than I ever can. He knows better than I what will grow their trust and affection for him, and that is what I most long for. I must admit the powerful force that ugly situations have been in my own life to draw me nearer to his side, and I would not deny the results to others for the selfish aim of sparing them pain. I do trust you, Lord. Help my unbelief.